trying to make it right These people won't let me go I'm just trying to live my life I just need space to grow I'm just trying to make it right These people won't let me go Let me grow, let me go Let me grow, let me go They should know, they should know They should know, they should know I'm just trying to live my life I just need space to grow I'm just trying to make it right These people won't let me go Welcome to the Tea with Brie. I'm your host, Brie. Thanks for listening. The Tea with Brie podcast is focused on deep, honest, and vulnerable conversation. Each week, I sit down with a different guest in order to have those conversations. Every week, we'll start with my guest's bio, an intro into how we know each other, and then we'll go into a deep dive conversation about whatever topic they bought to me that week. This week, I am joined by my guest, Sarah Ortiz Shields. Sarah, who uses she, her pronouns, is the executive director of Austin Tech Alliance, a nonpartisan nonprofit that advocates for civic engagement in our tech community. Previously, Sarah was the president of Open Austin, part of the Code for America network, where she advocated for open government, open data, and civic application development. Prior to that, Sarah was the City of Austin Design, Technology, and Innovation Fellow, where she focused on building digital products for the residents of Austin. Hello, fancy friend. <laughs> Hi, how are you? That I'm just quite a bio. You're doing great things, honestly. We we here in Austin appreci- appreciate you and the work that you're doing because Lord knows Texas needs more civic engagement. We sure do. Um, for those of you who don't know, Sarah and I met last January, so January 2019, and we did we were the 2019 Fellows of New Leadership Austin. And here we are, a year and change later, still going strong. I know, I was just talking to some of our cohort members last night, and we were all remarking about how, uh, how exciting it was that we were able to form those friendships out of NLC. And really that, and you know, I, I learned things and I had a great uh, project, but how the friendships that came out of that were one of the best things. No, absolutely. And I think about like, you know, uh, Taisha and Brittany are like having like Taisha has a baby, Brittany's about to have a baby, Zyma's gotten engaged. Like we've all just like followed each other. Phoebe got a new job. Um, Diana just got a new job. So like, I feel like we're all just like keeping <laughs> up to date and everything that each other's doing. It's definitely like that family mentality. And I don't think people actually understand it until you go through it. Um, and then like well, this year watching the 2020 fellows like quickly acclimate to to going remote and doing institute that way. And, you know, just the amount of like gratefulness they have to like be in NLC, especially NLC Austin and like the ways like Tara was quickly able to, to switch to online virtual and um, institute. It's just, yeah, I feel like this is like a good high for me to go out on as I start to move <laughs> to Philly. Cause like being, being co-chair with, with Kelsey this year was just like so beautiful and perfect. And, I'm very sad that convention is now online, but I get why it is. Um, but it's going to be in Philly next year. So very excited. Let's just selfishly excited. Oh, well, that'll be good for you. I know. I don't have to like find a hotel room. <laughs> don't got to fly. Yeah. Which I tell everyone too. I'm like, if you can go to like NLC convention, it is like 
it's like Comic-Con for like people who are super into that. Like it's like civic Comic-Con for like us. And it was like, it was so beautiful last year. And then just being in the room with people who get it and the speakers who they get to come speak to us and the spark talks they have. I'm just like, it's, it's the best. I cannot talk about convention enough. It is just like chef's kiss. It's the new thing I look forward to every year. So I'm happy it's online this year and very excited that it's in Philly next year. So. I'm gonna look into it next year. I'm gonna need a vacation. Who knows what this year holds? Ugh, I know. But I do not think it holds a vacation for me. No, I know. I just was thinking, like, I tried to like be a good daughter this year and bought a ticket home for Christmas super early. Oh. So now I'm like, let's see if like they'll give me credit back. Because even if it just like gets credit, like that's fine. I'll eventually fly again. Um, but just being able to like, hey, I'm at like life is super crazy now because of COVID and uh, not going for Christmas because I'll be living in New England anyway. So here we are. Yeah, it's wild right now. It's you know, scary. it's still scary for me. Yeah, I have. I just had dinner with a friend the other night and that was like the first thing like that's the actual like first person like quote unquote close quarters thing I've done like. I live alone. I don't have pets. I don't have kids. I'm not in a relationship. So I've been by myself since March 15th. Yeah, same. And I'm like, I was losing it. Like, as you know, I'm never home. So like for me, it was like, it was already bad. And then my birthday rolled around. We lost my cousin this year. Lost my job. Like I've just feels like I need something's got to give. So I was like, you know what? My friend and I will take all the precautions. And we had dinner at his apartment and it was like, great. And it was what I needed to like <laughs> rejuvenate my mental health and like be around an actual human being and not like a screen. So, yeah. I really, um, what is it that Cheryl Sandberg says? Um, step in. What does she say? Lean in. I've really leaned in to my, um, your quarantine life my quarantine life and my, uh, my introvertedness. So, uh, I think it's going to be really hard for me when life sort of picks up again, in-person life picks up again, because, mm. uh, you know, I was also, you know, I was out every single night, either at um, one of my events for work, at a partner event, um, at a speaker series, at a community organization event, you know, having dinner with friends, whatever. I was never at home. And so I went from, you know, being at home one or two nights a week to being home, you know, 24 hours a day. And I've got to admit that I kind of like it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that when I was going out all of the time and, um, you know, for personal and for, for professional reasons, I think that I was running on a lot of adrenaline. And so now I think that this might be my actual pace yep. of life that my my body wants to work at which is a which is a little bit odd for me but um I think about I think about that a lot lately because I wonder what's going to happen you know as things reopen and as yeah. we start to have events and in-person things again yeah I mean my the first Very the first month in I was doing like surprisingly well, like started meal prepping, working out, like keeping a lot of like structure and like working and I was still working. So because a lot of structure was, I was doing great, but then I got let go earlier this month and May is always like a super like heavy mental health month for me anyway. And then like losing my job and I was like, 
we need to like let all the rules go for a little while. And I just like completely was like, it's quarantine. You're waking up every day. You're making it through like, but like this week I've been really, I've been making like small, like small victories I can do today lists versus like to-do lists. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, I started writing again, which I haven't, I haven't written in a long time. So like blog post, I'm you're the first person on the podcast. I am telling that I'm writing a book. So yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, it's. I didn't think that I could actually like write a book till like you're 30. It's like this self-imposed rule I put on myself. Um, so now I'm 30, and I've always wanted to write like a mix between like a memoir and an advice book. So started that today. Very excited. Thank you. And then a friend of mine has a blog, and she asked me to like write a guest post for that. And then I'm also speaking at. Uh, queer bomb this year virtually so I think that's like my last Austin speech which is awesome. um, so I'm working on that today so it's like like having the re slowly bringing structure back in to my life in this very like weird time uh it, speaking of queer bomb and um queer events in general just to yesterday or you know this week I started seeing um the rainbow capitalism in the world. Um, for those of you listening that don't know what I'm talking about, uh, rainbow capitalism is when companies, um, large or small, that don't you know have a nickel in any LGBTQIA plus efforts, just slap a rainbow on it and say, you know, here's Here's our advocacy for the month of June. Buy our stuff because, yay, it has a rainbow in it. Um, when in reality, many of those organizations don't donate a portion of those proceeds to LGBTQ efforts. Um, and they're just taking the profit for their own. Many organizations do take a portion of that rainbow capitalism and then donate it to the Trevor Project or other organizations. but. Uh, I feel like it's, it starts earlier every year. I mean, it was like May 15th when I started seeing an ad for some rainbow colored socks last week. And I thought, well, that's a little bit early for Pride this year. I like to call it Pride profit season. Mm. And, you know, Skittles just did their sort of take on it. And I, I kind of thought that was interesting, though. It's a little tone deaf. <laughs> oh, really? Tell yes. Me- Tell me why. So what they did is the, instead of having the rainbow, because their tagline is the rainbow of flavors or whatever. Taste the rainbow. Yeah. Taste the rainbow, yeah. The Skittles are white. They the remove the white. rainbow and they say that the rainbow belongs to you. Mm-hmm. I like it like I love I really liked it. Tell me why you don't like it. Uh I think it was tone deaf for me because it was white. Like oh. queerness is already seen as something that is really white. And I feel as though it was this gentle reminder of, for me, it was like, maybe not a gentle reminder, but it was this sort of tug back to like, just whiteness still, like still centering whiteness around everything. Like, I get what they were trying to say of like, we have no right to like, try to take the rainbow. Like, this is your month. I totally get that. But I feel like you could have picked literally any other color, but white is the one you picked. Yeah, they could have picked a color that, or they could have just had all red bags or whatever. Right, or like all one color bags. All one color bags, yeah. But but now I I appreciate your perspective and it's, and I appreciate it, yeah. But yeah, 
I um I don't know. It's just it's starting too early for me. And like I I'm not, but I also admit that I do own a lot a lot of rainbow stuff. I own a lot of rainbow. Oh, shirts. same. I I I was just on Target's <laughs> website the other day because he made these really cute overalls that I need. Like they are rainbow, rainbow? tie dye, like watercolor looking overalls. And I feel like Target always has like really fun pride things which always like makes me angry because I'm like I don't want to buy it but I also like think it's so cute and I'm like I need these overalls so I'm but probably gonna I think keep. they're one of the companies that actually gives back though yeah I yeah feel, I feel less bad about buying my pride shirts from them than I do from other places right and I for me it was also like having worked at out youth which is a LGBTQA plus org here in Austin that serves um queer youth there's a lot of tech companies in town who did a lot of pride stuff with us. And, mm -hmm. you know, working that out, you, I used to call it pride season because it would last from like May to September because Austin, Austin pride isn't until August. So like with me, I would be doing speaking agents from like beginning of May to end of September. Um, but we would see so much money come in from those four months. Like we had one, um, we had Austin Anthem, which does stuff with like the soccer team here. Like they had shirts and buttons and stickers and like proceeds from that came to us. We had people who like threw like events for us and like all the tickets that were sold came to us. Like they're like you're saying, those really great people who actually give back in those ways. But also there's the people who just like slap a rainbow on it and just never give back to the community. They don't ever talk about it during the year. And I always tell people, like, pride isn't just during that time. Like, <laughs> queer people are prideful every day. Um, and it is, you know, you know, right now, it's lucrative for you to be, to have, quote, unquote, pride or be allies. But where are you the rest of the year when we're all, like, out here struggling? So that's also, like, my soapbox about pride because, yeah. It's something that I think about a lot as as a, as a queer person who runs an organization. So my organization is focused on civic engagement and, but you know, not specifically queers and civic engagement. And so um, I have this dilemma often about wanting for my own personal interests, you know, about wanting to do more civic engagement with the queer community, but really that, you know, that's not my mission at all. The right. mission of my organization is civic engagement within Austin's tech community. Um, so I'm torn a lot of the time because I want to, you know, I want everybody to vote and I want everybody to, to get involved and to participate. And my interests lie within the queer community because the queer community takes part of many of these services that, you know, that you, uh, that you can take advantage of when you vote. Right. But, um, I don't know, I guess that's why we have work and then we have, uh, interests outside of work. Right. But I mean, I think that's a beautiful way to like seg segue into your topic. So you wanted to talk about civic engagement today. And before you and I like got on, I was telling you how I'm from Connecticut and we had a very like beautiful like civic engagement education like we have social studies from like the time we are in first grade up until like through high school and like a bunch of different studies you can study but i remember like my civics class and like going from like the very beginning of like yeah we had a civics class from like the declaration of independence and like leaving europe and then like coming all to like where we are now like how laws get put into place and like the whole like three branches and learning all of that 
and like then coming to Texas and realizing like there's like not a comprehensive civic education and also I mean sex ed too but that's a whole different conversation um but just seeing how different like coming from a very liberal state and then coming to a very like conservative state and like how education is taught very differently in these spaces and you know who would benefits when you know the people in your community know more they do more which I think is why Austin is so like such a like that blue dot like they always say like the blue dot in the sea of red in texas is because we're doing a lot of like liberal work in this city um mm-hmm. to make sure that we are progressive and our kids are getting a better better education and you know we see all these parents who like tote their kids to like rallies and everything else um so yeah i'm i'm very interested in talking about civic engagement especially with this year being an election year and also a census year um so yeah, I mean, you're, you're the expert in this. I feel like this is, this is a perfect topic to talk to you about. So yeah. Well, it's interesting because, I, you know, lots of people do call me an expert, but, I, you know, I know a lot about it now, but I'm still relatively new to this, you know, civic world. I only started working in civics three years ago or so. Uh, and prior to that, you know, most of my adult working life had been working at ad agencies and at software companies, managing teams, being a project manager. Um, And then I can't remember what year it was, 2014, whenever, whenever Wendy Davis did her filibuster, I was just, uh, I was so inspired by her and, and I thought, you know, I should do some block walking for her. And so I did some block walking for her. I remember it was so hot outside. And then she did her filibuster and I thought, cool, like I should, you know, I should, I should get involved or I should learn some stuff. Um, and that's what led me to apply to a, a fellowship uh, within the city manager's office at the city with the city of Austin. But before that, you know, I voted and I probably voted in primaries, probably. And I, pro- and I voted for everything, you know, you know, uh, all of the measures and what bonds and whatnot, but I was never really that engaged. I was telling somebody the other day because I was, I, I sat on a, a, a student civics call and uh, we were talking, you know, about what we had learned. And I was telling them that before three years ago, I didn't know that there were state level representatives you know, like when you think of your senator, you think of like, you know, you think of Ted Cruz or you think of like who your federal senator is. I didn't know that we had state level senators. Like I knew that there was like a county person. I knew that we, you know, had a mayor and like a, a, a city council person or whatever, however your government is structured. But I guess I didn't know about that higher. I didn't know anything about state level government. And, um, and maybe that goes to show that I went to public school in one of the lowest rated school systems in the United States. Um, but maybe it, that just, maybe, maybe that's a lot of adults also. Yeah. I mean, I think about that too. Like, I don't think from the t- the first election I voted for was Obama's first race. Oh, Obama. <laughs> Moment. Moment of silence. <laughs> Barry. Um, but even like still, even having that education, like, I feel like it's not, unless like you're saying like yard signs and like you get a reminder, you're not thinking about like local elections really. Like you're really only focusing on the presidency, maybe your mayor, if there's a city that you live in that you're like just sick of your mayor. Um, 
but even like that too, I did have this background and very like good education and even still like, I don't want to make, make it a mute point, but it's like, it's not like, it wasn't like sexy to talk about politics back then. Right. Like I feel like people talking, yeah, people talking about politics now, like it was also like that back in the day thing, like you didn't talk about religion or politics. Like I feel like things have changed so much these last four years because of 45 Mm. um, and all the shit that's going on between like the Kavanaugh hearing and you know, the Me Too movement and government officials being involved in that sort of stuff. I feel as though these last four years have really shaped how we see politics and mm-hmm. how important it is and a lot of celebrities getting involved in politics in those conversations. So, I mean, for sure, I, I 100% hear you. And, you know, again, being in Austin and, you know, city council, from city council up now, I feel like I'm just like very aware of what things are going I mean with me moving to Philly this year I've been like okay who's the mayor what's his track record like I've already started looking into that stuff because I'm like it's important for me to know yeah I you know it's just really like you said it's not that interesting um for the general public I don't think and that's one of the hardest things in my job is trying to is trying to relate to people you know, how this affects you and why it should be interesting to you. Like, I get it. I get that civics is not interesting. Um, <laughs> but, but like, these are the reasons why it should be interesting to you. Um, so I have a kind of a funny story. So I worked, I worked in advertising um, and, you know, uh, in software for many years, 10 years, 10 plus years. And, um, when I quit my job working in software and I went to go and work for the city of Austin, I was still, I was working in civic tech, right? So I was building technology for uh, the citizens of Austin, these municipal software programs. And then when I left my job there and I went to Austin Tech Alliance, I was doing the similar types of things, but also a, a ton of community engagement. So speaking to people, registering people to vote, talking about blah, blah, blah. And so I went home one year for Christmas after I had been working either for the city or after, I can't remember. And we were at some kind of, you know, family barbecue or whatever. And my mom was talking about me to some family member and they said, oh, you know, what is Sarah doing? What is, what is Sarah up to? And my mom said, oh, you know, like the same thing. She's working in marketing. And then I got home and I, and I said, hey mom, I said, I want to make sure and be clear with you that you know that I don't work in marketing. And she said, she said, well, well, I don't understand what you do. So that's why I just tell people that you work in marketing. And I said, well, just tell people that I work in civics or I work in civic or in in civic outreach. So like a year goes by and um, she tells me, it came up in conversation again. Oh, somebody, uh, Sarah, somebody, Somebody asked about you and they asked what you do. And I just told them that you work in marketing. And I said, will you please stop telling people that I work in marketing? Because at this point, like that isn't even, it doesn't even resemble what I do. And she said, well, I just don't. And my, my mother has two graduate degrees, right? She's retired and she's a librarian. And she was like, but I just don't understand what you do. Mm. Just tell them that, that your daughter does, um, like community organizing. Is that a better term? That my daughter is a community organizer or like a voting advocate or whatever. Yeah. 
God. And so she was like, nobody understands what that, nobody understands what that means. Nobody understands what that, what you mean when you say that. And so finally last year, last May, she normally comes out for Mother's Day every year and we go to a concert. So she came out last year and I had an event scheduled while she was here. And so she went to the event with me and she saw me speak. And then afterwards we got home that night and we were having dessert or whatnot. And she said, oh, I finally understand what you do. And that was so rewarding for me to hear her say that because, um, like I said, it's very hands-on. It's, it's, you have to, you have to really talk to somebody who's very passionate about it to really understand what civic engagement means and how it can relate to you. And so if my own mother didn't understand what I do for a living, imagine how hard it is to get that out to the general public. Right. Right. And then also like, I'm currently looking at the census website because fill out your census and it's very important. And I feel like a lot of people still like don't understand what the census is, what it does, why it's important to fill it out for those who aren't, you know, citizens. I know they get very nervous about filling it out too. Um, So can you give us some insight on the census? Yeah. So my2020census.gov, C-E-N-S-U-S, my2020census.gov. Um, so the census is, occurs every 10 years and it is a point in time count of people living in America on April 1st. So the census is open through the date is sort of rolling at this point and I don't actually know when it closes. It used to be the middle of August. I don't know when it is now, but the revised schedule says the, sorry, the plan schedule was March 12th to July 31st. Now it is March 12th through October 31st. Yeah. So they keep on extending it because this is the first time in the history of the census, the census is required by the constitution um, to have a count of every person living in um in America. Um, and there's so much information that comes from the census. So you fill out the census based on where you were living on the evening of April 1st. So if you fill it out today and you have relocated because you lost your job and you had to move back in with your parents in New Mexico, you're going to fill out the census based on when you were living in Austin on April 1st and you fill it out for your entire household. So if you were living with roommates in Austin, you're gonna fill it out for all three of your roommates. You just coordinate with them to say, hey, fill this out for our our household, and your parents are not going to count you. There's so much information. The census is really important because the census allocates funding per county for the next 10 years. Funding and data. So businesses use that data to determine where people are located and where there's areas of growth to determine where they're going to build their business, where they're going to build, um, you know, schools. Schools receive funding from the census for um, just, you you know, education. Um, We receive money from the census for transportation efforts um, and all sorts of other stuff, SNAP funding, housing, uh, it's so important. It's nine questions, takes nine minutes. Please take the census. It's especially important for college students 
immigrants, people of color, and the homeless, um, and, and babies, and children to take the census. Those are those groups, and I think there might be a couple of others, are, um, are the hard to count communities. So those communities are not the um, white home owning um, populations that are easy to count. If you are a white family and you've lived in your family home for 15 years, you know, you're gonna, you've filled out the census before. If you are um, a Latino, Latino family and you move every year or you, um, you move based on, you know, your, your industry, um, it might be more difficult for the census to find you. So if you are a person of color or if you are part of a minority group, if you're part of the queer community, if you're a college student, please fill out the census. That data is extremely important to those, uh, those, those groups. You heard her fill out the census. And like you're saying, it's super quick, super easy. I think for me, like you're saying, it took, it took me like less than 10 minutes to fill out. Then again, I'm single and live alone. So here we are. Yeah, it took me like three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so important. Like you're saying, all the, the, this is how the money gets into your community, to, you know, for assistance and making sure everyone can have those resources that they need. Um, as we're talking about the census, I also want to point out again that this is an election year. I need everyone to be registered to vote. In a lot of states, you have to be registered 30 days before the next election. If you have recently moved, make sure you're registered to vote because yeah. some, some states don't have automatic enrollment. Some states you have to reapply. Like there's a whole, it is different state to state. Texas has some of the most difficult registration. Um, as I'm moving to Philly, I'm like trying to figure out what that looks like because I will be moving there in October. Um, but the election is in November, so like I have to decide if I'm going to do an absentee ballot in Texas. So anyway, that's just something that's really on my mind right now. If you are not sure if you're registered to vote or you would like to get registered to vote, you can go to register2vote.org. Um, I will also be sure to link it in the show notes. Um, but yeah, please be registered to vote. Do your research on who you're voting for. There's you know, a lot of elections happening this year, not just the presidential election. I will... Sarah mentioned Wendy Davis earlier. I will also say that she is running in Texas, um, and I am obsessed with her. She's lovely. I'm at, I love, she's, she's running lovely. for she's running for a house seat, right? She's running for Chip Roy's seat. She's um, running for Chip Roy's seat, and I love her. So, yeah, just I'm just saying, get really familiar in who you're voting for. If you vote down ticket, also that's that's your jam, sure. Um, but do research into the history of who you're going to be voting for. Um, look at your local election, see on your city council, if, if your town has a city council, just be hyper vigilant as we move forward. Because if you feel as though your current representatives don't represent you, now is the time to start trying to change that. So, yeah. So uh, Texas has a runoff election in, and also a special election in July. So one of our state senators, Kirk Watson, has, um, is des has decided to retire. And so there's a couple people running for his seat, which is in like Southeast Austin area, down to like maybe San Antonio, don't quote me on that. So in order to vote in that runoff and special election, which is in, let's say mid-July, um, you need to register to vote, let's say by the first week of, um, of June. 
Um, if you want to register to vote in the November primary, or the, in the November general election, you need to vote by that first week of October. Um, you need to register. Registered. You need to be registered by the oh, You need to register to vote, <laughs> yes. Um, in Texas, you have to register 30 days in advance and you must register uh, in person with a VDR, a, a voter deputy registrar, which means that that person has taken a class with their county's tax office and they uh, are eligible to register you to vote and they are assigned a number and they're basically responsible to make sure that you have filled out this form correctly. Um, you can also go to registertovote.org and the way that that service works is you fill out all of your information. It auto-generates the same form that you would fill out in person. You sign, date, and mail that back in, and then you are registered to vote. So that it is not an instantaneous process. It is not online voter registration, but it does make the process easier and it allows the, um, it allows, it allows the registration to go directly to your mailbox so you don't have to print anything. Yes. And the it'll send you a pre-stamped envelope that you could just put it back in and drop it in the yeah. mailbox. So it makes it super easy, very convenient, and you have no excuse not to register to vote. Um, yeah. Trying to think what else. This has been one of the most educational <laughs> episodes that I have that I have had. Helpful. Something else that I'm not very well versed on, but I think is also important that is driven from the census is redistricting. So we were just talking, oh, about, God. talking about Kirk Watson seats. Um, so, so everybody is, so everybody lives in a district, right? If you live in Travis County, you are part of a district and you have representatives that work on behalf of you. When, so the census happens every 10 years. I don't know what like the incremental um, rise in population is over the course of 10 years, but y'all, Austin is growing like crazy. So what that means is that when you participate in the census, we are going to have more seats allocated to us on the state level as representatives. So we could get more House seats, we could get more Senate seats. That just means that there's more people on the state level representing you. So when you fill out the census, not only does it affect like transportation and housing and education, it affects who your legislation is going to be and who you go to to complain about things on a state level. It also, um, I just wanted to also talk about um, judges just for a minute. Absolutely, go for it. When when people get your, when you get your ballot, it might have like, you know, the mayor, like everybody kind of like knows who their mayor is and you might know who your city council person is, but there's a lot of judges on there. And I think that people can be really scared and terrified by the judges on their ballots. Um, I'm just going to implore people to do a little bit of research on judges because some of these, um, these judgeships, these are life, these are lifetime terms. So if you're going down the ballot and you're voting for a woman here and like an ethnic sounding last name here, and you haven't done research on who's down ballot, um, you know, you could end up with a real bummer who's going to be in that judge seat for the rest of their life, you know, 40, 50 years. Um, so y'all just go to vote411.org and, uh, do your research. Vote411? Vote. Yeah, vote411.org 
it's the nonpartisan uh, League of Women's Voters site. It's where I find all of my information. Um, so yeah, judges. Yeah, and I, I, you said it best. I'm just going to leave it there because I have a lot of feelings about judges as well. And the fact that it's like a life life lifelong term terrifies me. Oh, it's like, it's terrifying. Like forever. Like <laughs> they yeah. have to die to get out of here. Yeah. So I don't want to get I don't want to get real partisan here. Um, but I was having a conversation with a few people a couple of months ago when Bernie dropped out. Um, and they said, well, you know, I don't, I don't know, I don't know that I'm going to be able to vote for Joe Biden. And, and I, and what I said to them, and I was like, I was like, you know what? Joe Biden wasn't my ideal candidate either. But what y'all need to think about is the greater like grand scheme of who the president is going to put in his um, cabinet and the judges. You know, RBG is not gonna live forever. And sorry, sorry, sorry y'all, but she's not gonna live forever. And there's, um, I don't know what the like cumulative age of our, um, of our courts is, but it's old. And our next president is going to place many people on um, in the judiciary level of government. And those, those are lifetime judge appointments. So I'm 40. Those people are going to be judges for the rest of my life. They're going to determine, um, you know, everything, health care, um, you know, I mean, everybody knows what judges decide. They decide everything for the rest of my life. If you have, if you have a small child right now, that judge is going to decide what they are allowed to do until they're an adult. So think of it like that. When you're thinking about on your ballot, whether at a local or a national level, just y'all, please just think about judges. May the Lord protect RBG because <laughs> she is everything and I cannot, we have, <laughs> I have feelings. Um, yes, all the things that Sarah said. Also, feel free to get partisan. I am very liberal, very progressive. And if people aren't who listen to the show, that's also fine. But I'm not going to censor my people. So you go for it. Um, is there anything else you want to plug or talk about? I'm trying to think. Something on my plate. Oh, again, as always, I'll be sure to link everything, but. Let's see, voting, census. I mean, this is mostly what I talk about. Yeah. And my dogs. I mean, priorities. Duh. Yeah. Okay. Well, I will be sure to link everything in the show notes. Um, at the end of every show, I'd like to ask my guest a closing question. Mm. What is the best advice you were ever given or what's a piece of advice you would give to your younger self? Oh, so one of the best pieces of advice I was ever given um, was given to me, I'd only been working for a couple of years and I was in New York City and I was working in marketing for, for real and uh, I was managing a team 
of a couple of designers and a couple of developers. And this guy, Nick, he was a DJ on the side and he used to like bring in his crates of records to the office because then he would go and DJ after work. We were having, it was like my, it was like my first month and we were having like a, like a review, like, like Sarah's first 30 days or whatever. And he was like, you're doing a good job. He was like, but when you come to me and you ask me to do something, he was like, I need you to understand what you're asking me to do completely before you ask me to do it. And he was like, because if you don't understand fully what, because basically I was taking uh, I was doing intake from like a sales team and then taking it to the design team. So I was like this conduit. And he was like, so if you don't, if you don't fully understand like why we're doing this thing and asking all of the pertinent questions about, you know, like the five whys, like why, 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 why we're doing that thing, then um, you're not going to give me good directions. And then I'm going to build something that isn't what you need. So if you do a better job in understanding what they need and why they need it, then you can write better requirements that you can then give to me so that I can build what's actually required. And that has really stuck with me. And I don't remember that kid's last name. And I don't know if he's still a DJ, but if he hears this, Nick from, from uh, Wall Street in New York, that has stuck with me for like 20 years. Um, advice. I always tell people to not be, not be afraid, ugh, to not be afraid of failing. I fail all the time. Mm-hmm. I tell, I do a lot of speaking with, um, young Latina girls and I, and I tell them all the time to just let themselves fail, to like let themselves fail and to like feel the failing because I've learned a lot from my failing and it's made me stronger and it's also taught me a lot of lessons and it's really hard. It's really hard to fail to like know that you have failed and that maybe you haven't done a good job at something or like whatever, like, you know, maybe, maybe you you did get something wrong, but I've always tried to learn from that and to do better the next time. And I think it has made me a stronger, more resilient person. Love that. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode of The Tea with Brie. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Tea with Brie. Send me an email at theteawithbrie at gmail.com and visit the website theteawithbriepodcast.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. A special thanks to Mama Duke for our theme music, and I will talk to you all next week. Bye.